Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Sunday morning, I was sitting right down here, and I was listening to Pastor Paul preach, and I had assigned him the text of 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 down through verse number 17 or so, and while he was preaching, when he read and when he got to verse number 17, the Lord really just pricked my heart, and I have not been able to get away from this verse of Scripture all week long, and I know that we're in a series right now through the book of 1 John. But, but I would like to pause and do a series within a series. Is that okay? Uh, I want to, let's, let's look. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about discerning the will of God in your life. How do we really know what God's will is for our life? Does God have a will for our life? Does He have a plan and a purpose for our life? Well, the obvious answer is yes. Well, how do we discover that? What is God's will for our life? What is God's will for all of us? And then what is God's will for me individually? Well, I want to take a, a Sunday or two and just, just park right there. And we're going to hit the brakes in verse number 17. And we're going to unpack, we're going to lean into this whole idea of the will of God. And we're going to try to, to see what Scripture has to say about that so that it can help us all walk in the will of God. Because I promise you, you're not experiencing God's best for your life until you're walking in His will. You're not experiencing His peace. You're not experiencing His joy to the fullness until you and I both are walking in His will and walking in accordance to the plan that He has for our lives. So we're going to take a couple Sundays and we're just going to park right here and we're going to talk about discerning the will of God. Okay? I want you to look in your Bibles in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. This is the text that Pastor Paul handled last week. And it says this. Do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. And if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of our lifestyle, and those three things, you can go back and you can trace the fall of Lucifer to those three things, the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden to those three things, the, the fall of everyone into sin, even the prodigal son into sin to those three things. So we've got to be careful right there. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Verse 17 is where I want us to park. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does God's will remains forever. Let's look at that last part together and let's say it together. The one who does God's will remains forever. When he read that last week, I was sitting right there, and it was like a dart was just thrown in my heart. And I thought, man, I've got to help folks discover what God's will is for their life. Because it says, those that do God's will remains forever. 
forever. Okay? So it must be pretty doggone important that we discern and know what God's will is for our life. Right? Hello? I mean, he gives us the spectrums here. Discerning and loving the world and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and, and what have you. That's of the world. It's passing away. The love of the Father is not in us if we are loving the world and the world system. But those that do the will of God remain forever. Let me give you another passage of Scripture. You may want to jot some of these down. This is just by way of introduction. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says this. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your spiritual worship. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing. And here we go. Perfect will of God. Now, how am I going to discern the perfect will of God? I must do that through the renewing of my mind. And I'm going to talk more in. In the next week or two, or three, I don't know how long we're going to be on this, uh, to come. I want to talk more about that. Okay? But I, I want to just introduce to you some of the scripture pertaining to God's will. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 12. I want you to look at this passage. Now, if you're following along in your Logos Bible app, you should have a, a little signal that pops up with this reference. You push it, it takes you right there. Okay? Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 through verse number 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, a slave or a bondservant of Jesus Christ or of Christ Jesus, greets you. And he is always contending for you in his prayers. Oh, there's a great little subject as well. That whole practice of intercessory prayer, praying for each other. He's always contending for you in his prayers. Why is he doing that? Here we go. So that you may stand. That word stand means having determination. So you may have the determination. So you may stand. Stand what? Stand mature. What does that word mature mean? It means growing in God's will for your life. Discerning what God's will is for your life. Growing in your spiritual maturity. That you may stand, having determination to mature, to grow in God's will for your life. And fully assured. I mean to have complete confidence, fully assured in everything God wills. So in other words, we can walk in, in full confidence of knowing that we are walking in the will of God. That's what I want you to see in that verse of Scripture. You see, we don't have to walk through life, man, I hope I'm in God's will today. Man, I, I, I hope I'm going the right way here. I really don't know, but I just maybe feel like this may... You know, we can know. I mean, there's some things we can know. Matter of fact, if you remember, that's why John even wrote the epistles of John. These things I write unto you in 1 John 5.13, that you may know, right? So there's some things that we can have confidence in. And, and I want you, as your pastor, I want you to have confidence... That you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, and even Judy is a brand new believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to have confidence that you are walking in the will of God. Okay? I mean, I guess it's just a pastor's heart. As he said that, I thought, boy, do our people even know what God's will is for their life? 
Do they, do they have confidence that they're walking in the will of God? Because I promise you, if you don't have the confidence that you're walking in the will of God, or if you're not for sure walking in the will of God, you're not going to experience His joy to the extreme. You're not going to experience His peace. There's always going to be this turmoil in your life about where you are spiritually. Listen, I want you to experience the joys of the Lord in your life. And you'll never really do that until you know for sure that you are walking in His will. Amen? So we're going to take a few weeks here. And we're going to unpack this. And we're going to talk a little bit about the will of God. One day there was a, a minister, an older pastor that had been in the ministry for many years. And he was walking with a young minister who had just entered into the ministry. And the young minister was looking up to the older minister for wisdom and counsel and direction. And he was asking him, Sir... What do you believe God's will is for my ministry and for my family and for me personally? The old minister reached over as they were walking and he found a rosebud. Matter of fact, I've got a visual for you. He found a rosebud and he broke it off of the rosebush and he handed that rosebud to that young minister. I've got it on the screen for you. He handed handed this rosebud to this young minister. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up this rosebud to its full potential, to its full beauty, petal by petal, but you cannot tear a petal off, nor can you break a petal off. But I want you to take this rosebud, look at it, and just petal by petal start opening it up to its full capacity or its full beauty. Well, the young preacher took the rosebud from the older minister. His first thought, this is ridiculous. What does this have to do with the will of God? Right? But out of respect for the older minister... He fumbled around with this rosebud in his hand till he tried to open it up and he realized that he could not do it without breaking the petals off of the rosebud. As the older minister was watching the young minister do that, he started reciting this poem. He said this, It is only a tiny rosebud, a flower of God's design, but I cannot unfold the petals with these clumsy hands of mine. The secret of unfolding flowers is not known to such as I. God opens this flower so easily, but in my hands they die. If I cannot unfold a rosebud, this flower of God's design, then how can I have the wisdom to unfold this life of mine? So I'll trust in God for leading each moment of my day. I will look to God for guidance in each step along the way. The path that lies before me, only my Lord and Savior knows. I'll trust God to unfold the moments just as He unfolds the rose. Amen? God's living in the will of God is like God unfolding this rose. Moment by moment, in the days when the sunshine is warm, and in the days when the rain is falling and beating on the rose... 
God is still in the process of opening up this rosebud to a beautiful rose. And guys, the same is true in your life and the same is true in my life. There are days when we're walking in our life where the sun is shining and, man, everything is going good. And we're on the mountaintop and we're just experiencing the wonderful blessings of the Lord. And then there are those valley experiences when the dark clouds roll over and the thunder of life hits. And the rains pour and the storms come and the winds beat violently against our life. And sometimes we question, where is God? He's there. He's just moment by moment opening up, unfolding the petals of the rose as He is in our life. So I want to try to help you this morning. I want to try to be an encouragement to you this morning and talk to you just briefly, and I won't be real long. I'm just going to do the introduction today, okay? So my whole sermon today is an introduction, by the way. That's usually where I camp out most of the time is in introductions. So my entire sermon today is an introduction. So that means I can just kind of camp out right here, right? I want to try to introduce you to this concept, this idea of God's will. Now, there's something I want you to know about God's will. There's actually two things. I do not even believe I have a slide for this. But just kind of leave the rose up there so we can keep that mental picture going before I get further into this. There's two things I want you to know about God's will. God has a determined will. And God has a desired will. Okay? Now, God's determined will is going to happen with or without you. Right? God's determined will is going to take place. I mean, there are some things that He has determined that are going to happen. Right? And we can go back through Scripture and we can see that. We can study end-time prophecy and we can see that. I mean, there are some things that God is going to do with or without you, with or without me. I mean, it doesn't matter what choices we make. It doesn't matter where we go. This is His determined will. This is going to happen. What are some of those? Well, you're going to have to keep coming back week after week. And maybe I'll unpack some of those. But one of those I know is His determined will. I know that Jesus is coming again. That's His determined will. It's going to happen with or without Fox News. It's going to happen with or without political leaders of our day. He is coming again. It is His determined will that this same Jesus, as it says in the book of Acts, which is taken up from you, shall come again in like manner as you have seen Him go. He is coming again. You say, well, preacher, I've really heard that all my life. I don't necessarily believe that's true. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Hello? Walk out of here. I don't care if you believe it or not. It's not going to change the fact he's coming. It's his determined will. Are you with me? Okay. I mean, there are just some things that God's going to do. Right? I mean, he's told us that Jesus is going to sit on the throne of David. We know that's going to happen. Right? We know that the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. Right? I mean, there's some things we know that God has said is going to happen. It's His determined will. And probably we don't have, really, we don't have much problem with that. I mean, I don't have any problem with that. Right? And if you're wise, you won't have any problem with that. I mean, He's God. He can choose to do whatever He wants to do. Right? I mean, He's the Creator. It's His universe. It's His world. It's His creation. Right? So that's His determined will. But then he has his desired will. God has a desired will for every single one of us. And really, that coming about has everything to do with you. Right? 
has everything to do with your decisions, has everything to do with your choices, has everything to do with your obedience, has everything to do with what you're doing on a daily basis, His desired will. Now, here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for every single one of your lives. Listen, there is not one person that is here by accident. You're not born into this world by accident. Listen, I don't care how you were conceived. I don't care how you were conceived. Now, I realize there's some stories out there. Listen, every child that's ever born is born for a reason. And it's a gift from God. And God has a plan and a purpose for every person that is here. I know a lot of people struggle with self-esteem. I want to try to help you right there. God planned for you to be here. Right? He planned for you to be here in this world today. I'll take it a step further. He even planned for you to be right here in this church service today. He, he, knew, that, he knew that you would be here in His foreknowledge. And, and part of that is that God has a plan and a purpose and a calling and a desired will for your life. So let's just stay with the things in general this morning, okay? Let me talk to you just briefly about some of the negative, I guess, some of the negative understanding of God's will, and then I want to talk to you about the positive. I've got two negatives. I've got four positives. I want to talk to you a little bit about God's will. All of this is by way of introduction. I'm going to come back next week. We're going to dig a little bit deeper, and I'm going to give you some action points that you can do every single day to help you walk in God's will and discern what God's will is for your life, okay? So first of all, let's deal with the negative understanding of God's will. Here's what I want you to know. Listen, God will never, ever will for you to do anything that is contrary to the Scriptures. Okay? I want you to understand that. It's never God's will for you to do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. I want you to understand that. Psalm 40 and verse number 8 says this. I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. The psalmist was saying that my delight is to do the will of God because His Word lives within me. So I want you to understand that God's will will never contradict Scripture. Okay? Understand that. Say it with me. It will never contradict Scripture. Say it again. It will never contradict Scripture. God's will will never contradict Scripture, okay? I've had people come to me before and say, well, I just believe it's God's will for me to do this. And they'll say something that's completely contrary to Scripture. And I'll say, are you kidding me? That is so contrary to the Word of God. That cannot be God's will for your life. Slam my door and run out the office and go do whatever, and their life is a mess. Right? I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I have all the answers. But I do know this. God will never lead you to do anything that contradicts the Word of God. Okay? Second thing about a negative understanding of God's will is this. It's never contrary to the Spirit. It's never contrary to the Spirit. You see, because as a child of God, whenever we accept Christ as our Savior, the moment we pray and accept Christ as our Savior, Judy, the moment we pray and accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in our heart. Boom, He's already moved in. He's there, right? He is in our heart as a believer and as a child of God. God's will for your life is never going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God who takes up residence in your life. Are you with me, church? In John 4 and 24, the Bible says this, God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit 
and in truth. So two things we know about God's Word on the negative side. It would never contrary Scripture and it would never be contradictory to the Spirit of God living within us. Okay? Listen, if there's, if there's not peace there, when you're making a decision... Listen, whenever you're making a decision to do something... I'm getting ahead of myself right here. This is supposed to be in the weeks to come. But whenever you're making a decision to do something and you can't ask God's blessing on it, and you don't have God's peace with it, then you're doing something that is contrary to the Spirit. And it's not God's will for you to do it. You say, well, I think I can do it anyway. Well, go on. You're going to wind up like the prodigal. Right? You're going to wind up not only feeding the swine, but eating with the swine. Are you with me, guys? And We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But I want you to see how that works. So we're never, God's never going to lead us to do something that is contrary to the Word of God, contrary to Scripture, nor will He ever lead us to do something that will grieve the Holy Spirit that is, that is within us, that's contrary to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at some of the positives, okay? Let me give you, some, let me give you four things, and I'm going to be done. Four things that I believe is God's will for every person in this room. Not only every person in this room. But every person in the world, I believe God has a sovereign game plan and a sovereign will for everyone. Okay? And then he has a permissive will for each of us. Right? And we'll talk more about that later. But let me give you, people come to me all the time and say, you know, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, I can give you four things off the bat that I know is God's will for you. Okay? Let me give them to you real quickly. Number one is salvation. I mean, it is God's will that every single one of us come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And I'm picking on Judy this morning because she trusted Christ as her Savior. And by the way, I asked her if I could share with you guys what she experienced up here. And she said yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. Okay? Are you with me? But here's what I want you to know. It is God's will. For all of us to be saved. And if you're sitting here this morning, listen to me guys, if you're sitting here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know you're living outside the will of God. Because it's God's will that you come to know Him as your Savior. Listen to these verses of Scripture. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. Who gave Himself, speaking of Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God and our Father. So it's God's will that Jesus came to die for the sins of the entire world. So God's will is for us to know him as Savior. In Romans 10 and 13, the Bible says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The scripture I grew up memorizing is in the King James, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Folks, who is that? Who is everyone? In the, by the way, in the Greek, you know who everyone is? It's still everyone. Right? I mean, it is everybody. It is everyone. It's God's will that every person that walks on the face of the earth, or that breathes, I should say, some folks don't walk. It, it is, it's God's will for every person that is breathing to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. To experience salvation. Matthew 11 and 28. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
He didn't say, you come to me, you come to me. Nope, you can't come. Nope, you can't come. Nope, you can't come. Nope, you can't come. But you can come. That's not what he said. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary. So God's will, number one, for everyone is that we experience salvation. Number two is this. Sanctification. God's will for your life and for my life is sanctification. You may say, preacher, what in the world is sanctification? It's a real simple term. I know it's kind of a big word, but it's real simple. It just simply means set apart. Right? Set apart for the purpose and the calling of God in your life. It means set apart for God. So God wants you to experience salvation, and then His will for you and for me is to become sanctified. Now, I didn't say holier than thou. There are some folks that totally misunderstand what this word means, right? There are some people that walk around in a holier-than-thou attitude. You ever met some church people like that? Come on, guys, help me. You, you, you've met some people like that. I mean, it's, look at me, look at my family, be like us, I've got it going on. Hey, check me out, right? I mean, they, they may not say that, but in everything they teach and say and do and act, I mean, that's, the, that's what you get. I'm just trying to be real here this morning. You guys experience that? That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about sanctification. I'm talking about where you intentionally say, you, say God, I want, to, I want to live for you. I want my life to represent you. And I realize I'm not a perfect man. And by the way, guys, let me be the first one to tell you, I'm not a perfect guy. Okay? I'm just a man. Right? And, and, and I want you to know that the part of sanctification is just simply saying, God, I want my life to represent you. I want to live for you. I want people to see Jesus in me. I just want, I want my life to be set apart. This keyboard right here, give you an illustration. This keyboard, it's been sanctified to a degree. It's a stretch of the word. But it's been sanctified. It's been set apart for the use of Sunday morning worship. Right? That's what it's set apart for. It's been set aside to use for Sunday morning worship. These instruments set aside to use for Sunday morning worship. And that's what it's talking about with your life. The Lord desires for you to know Him as your personal Savior and to set your life aside to be used for His honor and for His glory. In other words, now, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Jesus. I'm not living to receive honor and glory for myself. I'm living to receive honor and glory for Jesus. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3 and 5. For this is God's will, your sanctification. Now, it doesn't get any plainer than that, right? 1 John 4, 3. Listen to what it says. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, so that each of you knows how to control his own body in sanctification and honor and not with lustful desires like the Gentiles who do not know God. So what the Scripture is saying that in my lifestyle, the way that I live, I've set myself apart for the glory of God. That's God's will for your life. Salvation and sanctification. Let me give you a third one. Third thing, God's will for your life, for those that struggle to know what God's will. Salvation, number one. What's number two? Sanctification. Number three is service. Listen, God didn't save you to come to church and sit and so, you see, some folks, some folks say, well, I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to bask. I'm just, I'm just going to sit in that spiritual sauna. Just like going to the wire, going to some gym and, and going in the sauna and just sit and sweat. 
You know? Some folks want to come to church and do that. I'm just going to go to church. And I just, it's so peaceful. And there's such a sweet spirit there. And I just feel God's presence. I'm just going to go sit and soak in the goodness of God. Now, that's okay as long as that's not all you're doing. But I promise you, if that's all you're doing, you know what's going to happen? You're going to sour. I mean, you're going to sit and soak and sour and stink after a while. Right? God's intent is not for you to come sit in some spiritual sauna. Right? Now, are we to come worship? Yes. The Bible says not to forsake the assembly of yourself together. Hebrews 10.25. Yes, we're to come and worship the Lord. Yes, we're to come and be involved in corporate worship. But that's not all you're to do. God's will. You say, well, I'm just not sure what God's will is. I know what it is. Salvation. Sanctification. Service. Listen, honey. If you ain't rowing the boat, you're probably rocking the boat. Hello? I mean, we all need to be involved in Christian service. If there's, if, listen, if you're not involved in ministry in the church, then you're living outside of God's will for your life. Is a preacher. You got chapter and verse for that? Sure I do. I wouldn't have said it. Service. Get this. Acts 13, 36. I want this to be said of me. And I hope you want this to be said of you. It was said of David. Listen to what it says in Acts 13, 36. For David, after serving his own generation in God's plan. Get that now. David, after serving his own generation in God's plan, or after serving his generation in accordance to the will of God. That's kind of what that's talking about. He fell asleep. That just simply means he's died. he died. He was buried with his fathers. And the Bible says he decayed. <laughs> that's kind of a pleasant thought this morning, right? We're going to die, we're going to be buried, and we're going to, be, we're going to decay, right? This, this body's going back to the dust of the earth, right? But I want you to look what it said about David. It said that he faithfully served his own generation. Are you serving? Are you serving your generation? What's going to be said of you whenever you're laid up here in front of the whole church in a casket and, and I or some other pastor is standing over you? Are we going to be able to say, well, bless her heart. I think they may have accepted Christ as their Savior. I'm not sure if they were sanctified or not. And I can tell you, they didn't serve at all. Right? That was supposed to be a joke. You can laugh a little bit right there, okay? Man, wouldn't it be great to say, you know what? We're going to miss this person. There's such a void in our ministry now because they are gone. Because they were saved and they were sanctified and they were serving in the church. Boy, that should be said of you. It was said of David. Right? We all need to find our place to serve in the local church. In 1 Peter 4, I want you to get a hold of this passage of Scripture. Jot it down for future reference. Go read it sometime if you, don't, if you want to read it right now. But I'm going to read it to you. I love this passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says. Listen, listen to this. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other. Man, I love that. That's some direction to the church. You know what we're to do? We're to maintain an intense love for each other. Because love covers a multitude of sin. You see, if, you're, if we're loving on each other, you're not going to see all the faults in each other. Right? Are you with me, guys? You got quiet on me here. Right? Listen to what he says in verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Wow. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Verse 10. Based on the gift each one has received, use it 
for your own glory and go make a lot of money with it. No, that's not what it says, right? Are you you even with me? Are you there in the Scripture? Verse 10. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others. You see, guys, God has gifted every single one of you. And and Tyler this morning was talking about Steve and his gift with audio and video and and lighting and and, and all of that. And to be able to tear a soundboard apart and solder and resolder and pull out components and do all that kind of stuff and wire. That's a gift. Right? You have gifts. All of our gifts are different for the most part. But they're all extremely important. There's not one gift that is more important than the other. It takes all of us using our gifts, serving and working together to make the body of Christ complete in the local church. So we all need to be serving. We all need to be finding a place where we serve and where we give back. Let me ask you, where are you serving? Are you involved in a ministry? Are you serving the church in some capacity? Man, if, you know, the statement said often, many hands make light work. And we do at Victory for a, for a small church. We have a lot of people that are serving. And I'm so thankful. I think about our, our midweek Awana staff. I mean, there's 40 or so staff members for our Awana ministry. And there's more people that are signing up. And they're wanting to get involved in the next training session so they can serve in our children's ministry. I mean, this morning we've got folks serving in the children's ministry. We've got folks serving in the nursery. I mean, do you think the coffee and the pastries and all that stuff just kind of appears on Sunday morning? No, it's somebody serving. I mean, we have folks that come through the week and, and serve. I mean, think about Patty. We're doing Operation Christmas Child with the shoebox ministry. Do you think that kind of stuff out there just appeared? No, it's somebody serving. I mean, the sound. I mean, the, I mean, look around. Everything we do. We would not have a church if it wasn't for people stepping up and serving in their area of ministry. Guys, it takes all of us. Where are you serving? It's God's will for you to serve. This generation And I believe in a local church. And number four, and I'm going to close with this one. God's will is that every single one of us be held accountable. You say, whoa, 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 hold on now. God's will for all of us is salvation, sanctification, service, and to be held accountable. You see, in this generation, folks don't like to be held accountable for anything, right? No, man, that word commitment, that that word accountable, uh uh-uh, not me. I'm a free spirit, right? I kind of do my thing, go my way, Uh uh-uh, nope. You know what's God's will for you to be held accountable? Do you realize that every single one of us will be held accountable one day at the judgment seat of Christ? You say, well, I thought I missed all that when I trusted Christ as my Savior. No, you missed the great white throne judgment. Honey, you don't want to be there, Right? But all of us will be at the judgment seat of Christ as believers in Jesus Christ. Every single... And some folks think, whoo, man, I trusted Jesus my Savior. I have missed the fires of hell. You may have missed the fires of hell, but you haven't missed the fires of heaven. Do you realize that every single one of your works are going to be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ? You realize that? You see, what God is going to be, or what Jesus is going to be judging is the motive and the intent of, of the heart. He's going to be judging why did you do what you, what you did. You see, we're going to be held accountable for why we even serve. Are you with me? Are you guys with me today? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. This is the passage that kind of deals with the judgment seat of Christ. He says this. 
And this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believe. And each one has a role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. In verse 8, now the one planting and the one watering are one in purpose, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers, and you are God's field and God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. Verse 11, For no one can lay any other foundation than that that has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on that foundation with gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, verse 13, each one's works will, be, will become obvious for that day, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test the quality of each one's work. And if anyone's work that has been built survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, but he will be saved. And yet it will be like an escape through fire. Now, all of that is saying this. All of our service and all of our gifts and abilities that God has blessed us with, as we are using those in ministry, one day we're going to stand before the Lord the judgment seat of Christ, and here's where we are going to be judged and given our rewards, okay? Or given our crowns. Now, please understand me. If you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, you're not being judged whether you're saved or lost, okay? The judgment is not whether you get into heaven or whether you're cast into hell. The fact that you're standing at the judgment seat of Christ already reveals the fact that you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you're getting ready to go into heaven. Are you with me? What we're being judged on here are the rewards or the crowns that we're going to receive. And God is looking far more than just the physical action that we may be doing. He is looking into the intent of the heart. He's looking into the motives of why we do what we do. And if our motives withstand the judgment seat of Christ's fire, then we have like gold and silver and, and precious stones. and They'll be enhanced. There'll be a reward that's given. But if they are consumed in that judgment seat of Christ, like wood, hay, and stubble, then our rewards will be lost. But the Bible says we ourselves will be saved. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? Listen, it's God's will... For every single one of us to know Jesus as our personal Savior, salvation. To be sanctified, and the man can come. To be sanctified and set apart for the glory of God. It's God's will for us to be involved in Christian service. Serving the Lord in some type of ministry. I know for, for many, many years, Sister June worked in, in her home church in serving. You guys had like a soup kitchen or a meal kitchen. And she drove over to St. Louis all the time working in that kitchen and serving there. Thank God for that. We all need to find our place in ministry and serve and work and do those things, right? But then we're going to be held accountable. Our motives are going to be judged. Why are you doing what you're doing? 
Well, I hope you're doing what you're doing. Number one, because you love Jesus, right? Because you love the Lord. Man, He's done so much for me, I want to do everything I can for Him. Right? Not so that I can earn heaven. You can't live a good enough life to earn heaven. The only way any of us get there is trust in Jesus as our Savior, right? But I want, to, I want to have something to present back to Him. Right? I want to have some crowns. I want to have some rewards. I want to have some things. Not for selfish gains, but some things that I can just present and lay back at His feet. Our motives are going to be tried by fire at the judgment seat of Christ. So my point is, it's God's will that we experience salvation. It's God's will that we sanctify our lives and ourselves, right? That we separate ourselves from the world. It's God's will that we serve in Christian ministry. And it's God's will that every single one of us be held accountable for why we do what we do. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and I'm going to unpack more and more about the will of God and in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to talk to you some about how, how you can know God's will specifically for your life. What are some things you can do? How does God reveal His desired will to you for each of our lives? But what I'm dealing with today is God's sovereign will. This is His will for everyone. Outside of that, there are some specific wills. And we all kind of go down different paths according to God's specific will, desired will for our life. But in general, this is His sovereign will. His will is for you to trust Jesus as His Savior. His will is for you to separate yourself from the world. 1 John 2, 15-17 that Pastor Paul shared last week. Separate ourselves from the world. His will is for you to serve. Find your place of service in the local church. And His will is for you to be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ ultimately. I'm going to pray with you as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're here this morning you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, my prayer is that you experience God's will for everyone's life. That's where you come to know Jesus as your Savior. If you're here this morning and and you've never experienced Christ as your Savior, my prayer is today that you'd realize that you're a sinner. We're all sinners. That Jesus is the sinless Son of God. That He died on the cross. He paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose victoriously the third day. What you simply must do is believe that He is the Son of God. That He died for your sins. He paid your sin debt. And ask Him to forgive you of your sins. To come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior. And start walking with King Jesus. If you've never done that, my prayer is today that you would would ask Christ into your heart. I want to pray with you. Pray something like this. And you can just pray it silently right there where you're sitting. Just pray something like this. Say, Dear Lord... I realize that I'm a sinner. I pray, dear God, you forgive me of my sins. I trust in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that He is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and rose again. And today, I trust in Jesus as my Savior. Forgive me, Lord. I repent of my sins. Come into my life and be my Savior. If you've prayed that prayer today on the back of your 
your worship bulletin folder, there's a connection card. I want you to tear that off and I want you to check that box that you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today. And I want to send you some material and I want to pray with you and over you this week as I receive these reports. But secondly, maybe you've been here and you've already trusted in Jesus as your Savior. But boy, you may have been struggling a little bit with this whole thing of sanctification. Maybe you're struggling a little bit with finding your place of service. Maybe the whole idea of being held accountable is new to you. Maybe today you just need to submit to God's will for your life. Maybe you need to find your place of service. Maybe you just simply need to say, God, there's some areas in my life that aren't pleasing unto you. I know I'm, I'm, I'm living contrary to Scripture. And by the way, God's will is for you never to live contrary to Scripture. God's will is for you to live in accordance to the Word of God. So if you're here this morning and you're living contrary to Scripture and your life is not sanctified and maybe you're not plugged into service where you need to be and the whole idea of accountability just maybe scares you to death, let me, let me pray with you this morning. Why don't you pray a prayer something like this? Say, God, I've trusted you as my Savior. And now I've come to the realization that your will for me is to have a sanctified life, a life that's set apart for your glory. God, help me to do that. I look at my own life and... God, there's some areas maybe that you've fingered around and you've revealed to me that, that I need to deal with. God, I'm going to do that right now. And I pray, God, you help me to live a life that's pleasing unto you, that's sanctified and set apart for your honor and for your glory. And God, help me to find my place of service. God, I need to be serving you and you've gifted me and there's some abilities that I have. And, and God, I need to find my place of service. Help me, God, to find my place here at Victory and to serve and to do what it is, God, you've called me to do. And God, help me to always remember that one day I'll stand before you and I will be held accountable of everything that I say, everything that I do, every motive, the intent of the heart. God, I will be held accountable. Father, forgive me for where I failed you. Help me to live a sanctified, serving life. And always remember I'll stand before you and give an account. I want to love you and live for you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.